All right, guys, I'm here today with Leanne Kim. She is, this is actually a local interview because she's actually a friend. Michaela Burns of Mint Decor uh, recommended her. She's a business coach, and based on your website, I'm seeing you help coaches, control, consultants, and business cre- and creatives build their businesses. And that's yes. who we are, right? Thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks so much, Michelle. Yeah, I mean, Michaela speaks hugely, like so highly of you. And I want to hear, I want to start by, well, first of all, for the listeners, we're going to be talking about how designers can be building more profitable businesses. So you're going to talk about a lot of common things you're seeing them kind of do. Is that right? Yeah, we'll talk about some of the biggest money mistakes that I see and simple ways that we can start to fix them because uh, the money side of our business is super important. And uh, yeah, I think that there, there is... There are some serious fears and roadblocks when we talk about money, but I love helping women deal with that and work through that so that they can build profitable businesses that truly light them up. I love it. And also, guys, just so you know, she actually has a podcast. And tell everybody what your podcast is called. So you're going to be like rocking this. Oh, thanks. It's called The Business of Thinking Big. And uh, I my, my premise really is that, in my opinion... Running a successful business takes three important things. The first thing is the mindset. We have to believe that it's possible to create businesses oh, yeah. and, and that we can make great money doing that. Um, we have to have the strategy down. So we have to be understanding what are the things that we need to be doing in our business and then taking intentional action is the third piece. So oftentimes I see people who've got maybe one or two of those three things down, but they're struggling in, in some areas. And a big one I see is, you know, some people are all about the mindset, but they're lacking in the strategy. They really just don't know what to do to make their dreams come true. And then conversely, sometimes I see real hustlers and doers who are out there like doing all the things, but there's no strategy behind it. And, you know, or they're, they're dealing with some real limiting beliefs. And so I kind of bring those three elements together in my podcast. And um, yeah, I hope your people will listen and, and enjoy it. I will. And I'll make sure everybody knows too, because Michaela of Mint Decor, who I had on my podcast, was also on your podcast. I'll make sure everybody, so that it's a super relevant, uh, it's a designer conversation and kind of how you helped her in her business. But um, okay, so that is amazing, by the way. I love those three nuggets as far as, I mean, for me, the belief is such a big thing that I'm constantly working on. And I'm I'm sure we're going to dig into that. But why don't you tell everybody before we get into the nuts and bolts of it all, tell everybody, what is your backstory? Where did, you know, were you in corporate before? Were you always working for yourself? No. So I always had a job. I, I love working. I've had a job since I was like 12 years old and it's, it's probably always going to be that way, but now I'm self-employed. So, um, Years ago, like at a university, I kind of fell into a sales role. It was not something I was passionate at. um, And frankly, it wasn't even something I was very good at to begin with. But I got a lot of training and support over the years and I became good at it. And I realized that um, this is an area where most of us struggle. It's not natural to be, you know, we don't come out of the womb being great salespeople. Um, But I had developed this skill over years and I had always had jobs I liked, but didn't really love. And my last job was no different. I was working for a very rapidly growing um, tour company. I worked for a lot of um, luxury services and service-based businesses. So I knew how to connect customers I knew how to hear what they were looking for and sell them products and services that met their needs. 
And, um, I, I will be honest after years of doing it, I real I really got the buzz of that you get when you make a sale. I love that feeling. Mm. And pretty quickly I started realizing I loved training and teaching people. So I had two kids, uh, in 2013 and 2012, really close together, 22 months apart. And after that happened, just something in me shifted. I realized I didn't want to spend the rest of my life building someone else's dream. And so I thought about what I could do with my skill set. And I, for the first time, I asked myself, like, what would I really love to do? And it just kept coming up, you know, helping women in some way and helping them live the lives that they really wanted to be living. And so I started my community called, Mom, which is now called Mamas and Co. I've heard, of, I've heard lots of great things. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So <laughs> It's 300 mom entrepreneurs across Canada and beyond, and they're all types of businesses. But we just started as a little Facebook group that grew and grew and grew, and we monetized that over the years as we started to deliver more. And from that, very early on, uh, I kind of threw my hand up and said, you know what, I'll do a sales talk because I feel like maybe that would benefit some people here. And it turned out everybody needed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, what I was finding is women were quitting their jobs to start businesses, but they didn't have a sales background or a marketing background. And that's what I brought to the table. And so I kind of put two and two together and built up the courage and built up a little bit of a financial cushion to make the leap. Um, and now it's been exactly three years since I left the day job and I've been coaching incredible, phenomenal women to reach new heights in their businesses ever since. And I, I absolutely, I wake up every day so excited that I get to do it. Oh my God. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. And you know, what's funny is I've talked to a lot of designers now, a, a lot of which are running their own businesses. And there seems to be something with this second kid situation where that is very commonly the time when women are like, okay, like, I don't want to work for the man anymore. Not the right choice of words, but, and what can I do? Like, can I go on my own and do this? So I find that very interesting because you just said it. So that's very common thread. Do you hear that too? I guess because you work a lot with moms, right? And that's kind of why we pounced on it with, with regards to mamas and co was just like, I think there's something that happens very, especially in Canada, when we have these longer mat leaves now, women are staying at home with their kids. And I think it just, A, we, we bond with our children and we want more time with them for the most part. And, and B, it gives us time to kind of like dream and do yeah. things that we love. And, you know, for many of us, we've been working, you know, we, you know, we go through high school and then we go through post-secondary and then we get a job and it's go, 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 go until that time when we have, you know, a year off or so with our kid. And we're just like, wow, you know, life is pretty sweet. And what do I want to do with this time? So we did, you know, I say we, I mean, me and the team, I noticed this trend really early and I pounced on it. I was like, women are quitting their jobs, but then they don't know what to do. Yeah. Mamas and Co is great because it's a community. It's, you pay an annual fee. It's just a couple hundred bucks a year. It's super affordable. So it's a place that women can come and ask all those burning questions, get the answers they need quickly so they can apply it quickly to their business and they can grow. And then what typically happens is women stay in that community for a while and, you know, they're coached by me and, and all of that through the group in some ways. And they listen to the podcast and then they're like, okay, Leanne, I'm ready. I'm ready to yeah. coaching. And so they, you know, they move up to other programs with me, but that's kind of a little bit about how it all came to be. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I think it's so true about 
Women in particular in sales, like, you know, again, like I've talked to so many designers now and I have like close friends who are designers. It's amazing. And um, it's the same thing you're always hearing. You know, people don't want to follow up on leads. You know, I don't want to be annoying. And it's like, no, you, you like set a reminder. You got to be doing this. Like nobody else is going to do this for you. You're, you got to be more vocal about what you do. So, okay, this is a great segue. So why don't you share with us, what are the mistakes that the biggest mistakes people are designers, women, I don't know if it's women specific, but designers are making when it comes to uh, running their business and, and dealing with money. For sure. And I'm actually going to break this down into mindset strategy. I love, love. So, so the first one is our money mindset is not right. I'm so glad you started here. That was the first thing I wrote. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah I know. Um, I, I light up when I say those words too, but like, this is not something that we're born with and stuck with. We can change how we feel about money. Mm-hmm. And so um, I actually, what I'll do, Michelle, is I'll send you the link to an episode I did about the five money beliefs that are holding us back. It's a really great yep. list because it goes through all of them. Um, so I won't go into detail. I'll just let your listeners have sure. a and just for the listeners, it'll be um, attached. It'll be linked in the podcast. I don't have show notes, proper ones, but it'll be linked in the podcast notes. Cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really, you know, there are, there are many beliefs that are holding us back. And sometimes we don't even recognize that. And so I would say the biggest one is we're not charging what we're worth, right? We're charging to get the yes, because we feel like that's what we have to do. And many of us will charge based on things like what our competitors are charging or what, you know, what we think our experience is worth. Um, Because we're new, we undercharge because we're, you know, I don't have a lot of experience, I'm undercharging. And there's so many reasons we tell ourselves we can't charge more. Um, But the truth is, the sooner we start to own our worth, the sooner all of our customers and potential customers will just expect that and say, well, that's, you know, this is what it costs and I'm getting excellent value for that. And so it's not about getting a deal, especially with what I look at you designers and you guys are amazing and you're crushing it. I love working with creatives too. Like there's just, I'm a highly creative person. I was a painter and I love to perform. And so I really resonate with um, designers, photographers, businesses like that. But I feel like this is particularly a tough struggle for creatives because a lot of them will say things like, oh, but I'm creating art. You know, is it really possible to do what you love and get paid well? And so all of those are... Oh my God, I know, yeah. Right? That's a mindset coming up at us. So I would say for all of you listening, what are your thoughts around money and, and specifically growing a business and having a profitable business? Are you telling yourself that it's not possible? A big one I hear from the moms I work with is when they really do that look down there, they are telling themselves, it's not really possible to have a successful business and be a great mom. Mm. Right? Uh, So it's not even your mindset. So, I mean, so much deeper, obviously, than just money. And I know, like, I, I mean, people listening know, like, I mindset's the biggest struggle for me, like whether it's money, a lot of money stuff for sure. It was, it's so interesting that you say that, like I'm, like I've done a lot of work on that um, and I've come a long way, but it still kind of shows up. But for me, I hear friends, like designer friends say things like, oh, nobody pays what it's worth. And I'm like, 
not with that attitude is what I'm thinking. Like I, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you said, we were talking, it might've been before we were officially recording, but I truly do believe that belief that it's possible is so important for anything as well. This podcast is supported by Ultralux Linens, and I feel like I want to say something different in this ad than previous ones. So I want to just share a little bit about Jacqueline. I have, I probably over the last year and a half have had numerous conversations with Jacqueline, who is, in case you're wondering, who is Jacqueline? She's the owner of Ultralux Linens, and she's just before we ever talked about sponsoring this, so there was no ulterior motives, her trying to butter me up for any particular reason whatsoever, but she was always the most supportive woman, probably of anybody I've encountered in this industry. She was listening to my podcast because she's sincerely interested in, in well, she's a designer herself, but also wanting to learn how she might be able to help a, a other designers, you know, through ultralux linens or whatever that might look like. And she would always send me emails that were just super uplifting and just honestly got me at my core, just telling me that what I was doing was super helpful to the industry and that I had such a unique voice and that it was very authentic. Not my voice, like, even though, yes, I have a weird voice, but just kind of my, what I was kind of doing and that I was really open and honest and all that. And it was just really encouraging for me. And I just, I got to say, I love other women who support other women. And I really do my best to do that as well. And so I just want to share that with you guys, because she's just a really awesome, amazing person. And Emily, who's also work, works, um, she supports Jacqueline in the showroom, has always been so nice and helpful in the showroom. So yeah, I wanted to start by saying that. I just think it's so important for women to support other women. And I think that is the best thing we can all do for each other. So amen to that. Thank you to Jacqueline for that. So guys, if you haven't, if you didn't already know, which you should, because you probably hopefully don't fast forward these ads, they have over 75 brands of fabric in their showroom. It's incredible. And they're really great at being able to pull what you might need. And um, I've said it once, I've said it twice, but you're going to get the exact same designer pricing that you'd get if you went direct. But the benefit here is that it's under one roof. You can go to one showroom. You can pull Kravit when you're looking at fabrics with your clients or Robert Allen or Fabric Cut, whatever that might be. You can do that all under one roof as opposed to having to go to multiple showrooms to do that. Also, if you don't even want to go, you can actually just shoot her an email and ask her for all the memo samples you want and they will come directly to your door. It's quite glorious if you ask me. I've, I've also told you that they have furniture line there. They also have bedding, bath stuff. So they've got towels. You can actually design your own duvet covers if you need that. And the best part of all, guys, I just got my own drapes through Ultra Lux Linens and they are absolute pure perfection. They're still coming. They're not all done yet, but they have a workroom. And honestly, my very first set of drapes, which are my own here, I could not be happier and I'm actually going to be working with them again on my next project and truth be told for all of my projects with regards to drapery going forward. So guys, if you want to learn more, you can visit them in their showroom at the Toronto International Design Center, second floor, 
or you can visit their website, shoot them an email, ultraluxlinens.com. And lastly, find them on Instagram and go ahead and slide into her DMs and ask her any questions you have there. But you can get the process rolling. They work with anybody all around the country. Does not matter where you're located. They do it all the time and they are awesome. So go check them out. This podcast is also supported by Vintage Print Gallery. Vintage Print Gallery is a growing company based in New Jersey, and the name actually comes from the fact that they have a huge archive of original prints and antique books, and they actually use a lot of that to draw inspiration for a lot of their pieces. But what's really cool about this company is that they can customize pretty much anything from start to finish. You can pick the size of the print, the size of the mat what frame you want and they got tons of cool frames to pick from. They also have a huge team of graphic designers and painters and the piece that I selected is actually by an artist named Laura Campbell and she created this beautiful abstract which I gotta tell you if when you see this in my living room it actually looks like it was painted and commissioned by me for my living room because it feels like the green is almost the exact right color in relation to our wall colors which is green and I went fairly large scale. I think the piece is actually almost 38 inches high. I forget what the width is, but it's basically going to be the perfect focal point for our living room. So if you want to learn more about this company, go to vintageprintgallery.com and you can actually set up an account and go check out their amazing, amazing assortment of prints. It's like if we believe, and I, but I do at my core believe that the right client, they're, they're out there. They're just harder to find people with that kind of money if you're not in those circles, right? Mm-hmm. But it was, well, even that is, is a belief that might be limiting you, that it's hard to find customers that have a lot of money. That is so amazing that you just said that. <laughs> really? That is so amazing. I have never thought of that before. Yeah. Well, this is the interesting thing about beliefs is we don't think of them as beliefs. We think of them as fact. Uh, you know, if we knew, if we could recognize them as yeah. belief, we wouldn't be thinking it. But I always say, you know, a belief is just a thought we choose to keep thinking over and over and over again until we choose to think of something different. And so that's that's a great example of something that you could absolutely work on that mindset stuff. And there's so many, I mean, oh girl, I can write a book about the- could do a whole second podcast on this. It's so fascinating to me because it's not just that you believe it because now you're looking for confirmation bias everywhere around you. It's like, I want to buy a, you know, uh, a, a new- Volkswagen uh, Golf. Okay, now I'm seeing them everywhere, right? Like, it's so amazing that you just said that. That is just such a great nugget for me to leave with because I have definitely realized that the minute I acknowledge a belief in one way or another, so for example, when I started my business, I was like, well, I hope I can make $3,000 a month to pay my share of the bills. You know, and I was like, I don't, I don't think I can, but hopefully I can. And then I talked to a designer. This is why I also do this podcast is because hearing people do things opens your mind. But she told me how much she made in a month. I think at the time it was like $60,000 and it opened my brain, new belief. Like if she can do it, I can too. So now new belief entering my brain. It's not hard to find clients that have the money that it takes. So thank you for that. That's that was so good. I'm so excited. Oh, listen, and we and it doesn't matter where you are in business. You, we always have some beliefs that might be holding us back. So please don't think you're alone in this at all. And I love how you just said, you know, and I say this to my clients and potential clients all the time. There is nothing special that I have that you don't have. I'm yeah. just doing this longer and I'm willing to do the inner work, which is mm-hmm. really that's 90% of this game is the mm-hmm. inner game, really. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so so mindset is key. 
uh, in terms of, um, in terms of, you know, the money mistakes that I see people making, Mm -hmm. um, specifically designers, not charging more because of all the things we just talked about. So, um, do you want to move on to like sort of a a strategy mistake that I see? Absolutely. Because I'm okay. probably making that one too. <laughs> you kind of touched on it a little bit a minute ago when you talked about, you know, what do I want to make every month? And so the my biggest recommendation to your listeners is to start setting annual and monthly targets. I know you think you're doing it, but you're not doing it or you're not fully um, paying attention to it. So the way I recommend people do it is they start with their big goal their big annual goal. So Michelle, I am sure as at the time of recording this, we're in November of 2019. I am sure you're already thinking, how much do I want to be making in 2020? It's going to be a year. It's a new year. What's that big number that's going to feel super, super satisfying. And that's where a lot of people stop, right? They just pick a number. It's kind of vaguely floating around in their brain, but they're not doing anything with it. So I recommend that people get really strategic about the money they want to make and how they're going to make it. So the first thing I would do is break that down into monthly sales goals. And here, you again, you kind of touched on it a minute ago. You're not going to make the same amount of money every single month. Right. Regardless of what industry you're in, there's some highs and lows. There's some seasonalities. Even if that's just you know, I want to have a quieter summer so that I can enjoy that time. Um, we're, there, no business really that I can think of operates on exactly the same dollar amount every single month. So even just acknowledging that and a great way to do that is to look back at your numbers from the last year or so and say, you know, what trends can I see? You've been at this now, did you say three years? Yeah. Yeah. So look back at the, at the numbers from the last three years. Do that homework of getting really clear on what came in every single month, what you're going to start to see is patterns and trends. You're going to say, oh, I didn't realize that 30% of my revenue comes in in September and another 30% of my revenue comes in in January. Like I'm making this up, but yep. I know with I'm having worked work with designers, there are periods of time where the leads are fast and furious. And then there are periods of time where it's a bit more of a famine. Um, and so that's not a bad thing to have seasonalities and highs and lows in your business, but we can plan for them, which means we can do things like, okay, well, it's always, if it's always slow in July, then let's, that's July's the month we're going to take a bigger vacation or July's mm. the month I'm going to work on strategy and planning because I'm not going to be bogged down with client work, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's, that's really smart. Um, Oh, I'm going to let you keep going on the next one. I don't, I, I, I noted a question that just triggered it. No, ask it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, it's more about sales. So I figure we'll get through because oh, yeah. it's not totally related. So We're I just totally like, well, if we get to it, yeah, then I'll ask. <laughs> um, well, okay. So, so when, I'm when so I- sorry, actually, so sorry. Do, okay. Let's talk about that for one second. Cause I'm sure, cause you've worked obviously with some designers now and um, there's the service fees and then there's the product sales right so is it is there a way to try to project and and understand what that blend should look like or and I'm sure it could be different based on you know the the designer and the business but is there projections that we should be making based on both separately yeah so that's a great question yeah so you your business isn't all that different from other businesses except for you just have higher costs of goods sold and costs of goods sold are a specific type of expense, meaning without that good, you can't complete a sale versus someone like me. I don't have a lot of costs of goods sold. I don't make a physical product. I don't sell a physical product. 
pretty much all of my expenses are more, you know, operating expenses as opposed to cost of goods sold. So not, not to get too technical here, but yes, you want to be tracking all of it. You want to be tracking the gross revenue, which is every penny you generate into your business minus any sales tax. That's your gross. You want to be calculating different types of expenses so costs of goods sold would be like products that you resell, um, but also general expenses. And yeah. then you want to be tracking what is left over when you subtract one from the other, which is your profit margin. So sometimes I'll be working with businesses where um, they're really happy with their gross revenue, but they want to increase their profit in the next year. Yeah. And we'll focus on that. So we'll focus on things like how can we get more lean? Do we need to eliminate some expenses? How can we create a bigger margin? Do we need to, you know, do we need to look at your markups and things like that? Um, versus some, you know, some businesses are really charging towards a specific gross revenue goal and their expenses are just what they are. So I would, again, when we talk about getting strategic about your money, think about what's going to make a difference to you in the next six to 12 months. Is it that you just want to be keeping more of what you're making or is it that you want world domination and you want to be doubling, tripling your gross revenue, serving more clients? Maybe if you're thinking about growing a team. So um, all that to say, like really that, that's what I mean when I say getting more strategic about the money that you make, asking yourself these questions. If you have a partner or you work with your spouse, have that conversation. I'm, I'm just about to sit down with my husband who I will add does not want any part of my business, but we're growing and we're making so much now that like he has to know if anything happened to me (laughs) in my house that knows where the bodies are buried. So we, you know, we, I think we, I think even if, if you're at a point where you're making multiple six figures in your business, gross or, you know, net, gross or profit, you've got to be sitting down with your partner and making sure that they do understand where your money is coming into, where is it going out of? Like I say, especially if you're a solopreneur, primarily a one person run business, I think it's important that if you are married, you let that person in on that information so that if anything does happen to you, God forbid, um, at least you've got someone who's informed about it. So that's a bit of an aside. But the other thing I wanted to say about you know money strategy is getting back to what your goals and what you want to achieve, thinking about how you want to achieve that. So let's just say, Michelle, that you had a goal next year of hitting one, I'm just picking random numbers, hitting $1 million in gross revenue. Totally realistic. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) We're only a few years. It is realistic in the future. I don't doubt that, but I'm not going to pretend it is next year. (laughs) It may not be on the cards for next year. That's okay. No. <laughs> um, but let just, it's a nice round number. So using yeah. that as a goal, if, okay. that, if that were your target, then really strategy is really answering the question, yeah, but how? So, you know, and again, a lot of women shy away from doing something super simple, like pulling out a notebook and pen and a calculator and starting to say, well, if I wanted to gross a million in revenue, how many large product projects would I need? How many medium projects would I need? And this is different depending on your exact business model. Yeah. Designer works slightly different, but also I, I work with a lot of businesses that are not project-based, right? I work with a lot of coaches and consultants. So it's thinking about things like how much of your revenue is going to come from this one recurring source or this one income stream. And I, when you're doing that, think about the projects that you friggin' love that light you up. 
I know for a lot of designers I work with, they want, you know, whole home renos from start to finish and they don't want to do a bathroom or just a kitchen. They want a bigger meatier project because A, it's more profitable. B, they're switching back and forth between clients less and less. And they start to be able to create a bit more space and freedom in their schedule. So if that's what you want, then it can start now, but we have to intend it. So getting clear on how would I make up that million dollar goal or whatever your goal is um, in the most sensible way. And often what will happen is you'll start to see things that you're doing that aren't really profitable. They might feel good in the moment because someone said yes, and or it's a collaboration, yeah. or it's really creative, but it's not actually moving the needle when it comes to you know growing our revenue or growing our profitability. And those little things, I'll, I'll often hear this. Well, I don't mind doing those little projects because you know what they fill in the gaps, and I like them. And I'll say that's great. There's a lot of things that I like doing too, but it doesn't mean as you know as the CEO of a multiple six-figure business, you should be doing that. Exactly. Well, and that's kind of where you got to take a step back and be like, what am I trying to do here? And if that's what you want to do, cool, have at her, but just, it just kind of is what it is, right? It's not, you're not trying to build and grow a highly profitable business. And, and that's fine too. It's just get real with yourself, right? But I will say most people listening to this, honestly, they're probably nodding their heads saying, yeah, there is a bunch of stuff I don't really want to be doing anymore but I've been saying yes to it just because. And that's where I would say, have the courage to start drawing the line in the sand and oh say, God. and what, what you're going to, and it's scary because it we, no more work is coming. If I say no to this, I'm not going to get anything else. But truly, when you go all in on your dream clients and your dream projects, what starts to happen is you only get more and more of those requests and you get less and less of the ones. Like people used to ask me all the time, would I coach them for one or two hours? I don't get any of those requests anymore because I've gone all in on dream clients who work with me for six months or more. Like Michaela, who's, you know, she's probably worked with me all up like 18 months, I think. In total. Yeah. <laughs> so Shout out to Michaela. Amazing. And, and there's so many, yeah. them, you know, your dream clients really do want to invest a lot more in you and they trust you to do great work. And so there's, that's what I mean when I say being strategic about how, you know, what you want to make and how you're going to make it. Cause nobody's going to do this side of the business for you, which mm-hmm. brings me to. Sorry, I do what, before we move to the next one, I do. Um, the one thing I wanted to say too, was, um, it, that whole, like, you know, you're not getting those two hour requests anymore. It's kind of like, but we it all falls back to belief too, saying no to one and believing that like by saying no to this, I'm going to be able to say yes to the right project. Yeah. And it's, and I just, I keep going back to that because I just feel like I hear firsthand and I struggle with it too, but I've come a long way. And I'm, I just, I notice people saying certain things and it's like, I'm scared to say no, but it's like, you also do have to, you do have to say no and trust that it's, it's going to get you to the right project and keep doing what you need to do. Don't just sit back and wait for the universe to do it for you. But, but, um, so it does go back to the belief, even on that little nugget as well. And it's like, you now believe and know that you can get all that. So it's almost like it's as soon as we believe it truly at our core, it's just what starts happening because we're doing actions as well. That you hit the nail on the the belief. And I I will add this, like mindset is not uh, a one and done. It's not a, it's not a, a quick game. It's a long game. And so, you know, I'll, I'll talk to people and they go, Oh Leanne, you know, I'm good in the mindset department. And I believe some of us are stronger than others, but 
it's something that needs constant revisiting. And so if you have, if you, if you are in general working on this, but you have those days of doubt or, mm-hmm. yeah, but I didn't, you know, I just had a, a tough week or I lost out on two big proposals that I really was hopeful for. It's okay. If we have a little, you know, hiccup in our mindset, don't think that that's going to throw everything out of whack, allow yourself to have bad days, bad weeks, and then get back to it. You know, whatever you need to do that helps you in terms of mindset I love, I love podcasts. There's certain really positive, um, podcasts that I love listening to. I love my, you know, like, uh, reading on the subject. I, I do a lot of visualization and I do a lot of gratitude practice and things like that. They're all tools in my toolkit to work on my mindset. And whenever I'm struggling hard, like several weeks or months, it's because I haven't been doing those things or I've fallen off the wagon in some capacity when it comes to mindset work. So yeah. just know that it's a practice and it's a journey and you're not going to knock it out of the park right away, but you can take steps to work on it little by little. Absolutely. And then the last thing I'll say too is sometimes I like to look at those like setbacks as, you know, if you think back to, you know, you're dating this guy, he dumps you, you're devastated. And then you look back on that a year later and you're like, thank God, because now I found this amazing guy who, you know, that guy was bringing me down. You know, it's like finding, I'm an eternal optimist, maybe annoyingly so, but I, it's like disappointment, great. Okay, be disappointed, wallow for a hot minute, however long, but then go, you know what? I trust that that happened and something even better is going to show up and there's always like, we're, we're air high-fiving through the screen because we are on the You're same so, way. You are so my people, Michelle. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I've known you for a year already. This is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, oh, you said something that I had a thought about, uh, when we were, t- you were talking about mindset and I have totally used that analogy before, like, oh, look for the lesson in that. And, you know, when it's hard, when we're down, But whenever we've gone through something that feels like it's shaken us, try to say, you know, what can be learned here? What am I learning here? What's the lesson here? Because if you can start to do that, what you're doing is you're kind of coaching yourself. It's a great little tool because oftentimes we'll find there were things that um, are useful in terms of moving forward. Like I look at, uh, first of all, I have not had a client not complete a program with me in like over a year. It just doesn't happen anymore. But in the early days, I'd get people who didn't quite know what I did. They weren't a right fit, but I took them anyway. And, you know, and you always regret it. You always know right away you made a mistake. Yeah. Um, or a client would just choose to not continue to work with me. And so it's devastating in the moment. But looking back, all each one of those taught me lessons. And so if you're seeing a lot of if that's happening to you in your business, um, start to make a list of what are the red flags that I could be taking notice of early. So things like, you know, clients who are stressing about money or clients that are overly needy or asking a million detailed questions. Mm. Those are great things to notice. Some of them we can work on, others we cannot. So, you know, when I always talk to my designers, it's like, we get to choose who we work with. We're not just accepting anyone in this business, our business. And it's so important that we bring only the right people in. So I mean, no, I'm glad that you mentioned that. That's really, I love that. Okay. What's number three. Okay. So as I mentioned, like my philosophy is combining mindset strategy and then action. Mm. 
intentional action. So not just kind of going here, there, and everywhere and trying all of the things. I think in your early days, it's important to try new things. It's important to try new lead generating tactics. But if we're constantly just trying random tactics without a strategy, that's where we fall into problems. And that's where we feel like the hamster in the wheel. So for those of you that just feel like I'm constantly running, I'm not getting anywhere. If that's a feeling that's coming up for you, uh, let's chat, but also <laughs> like, that's a great, I do sign. hear that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I hear that a lot. It's a, it's a great sign that tells me you're probably not taking the right actions. So going back to that strategy of, I want to make this much money in the next 12 months. And I think that's going to happen through these means. Then we can get crystal clear on what we need to do to make that happen. So here's a little nugget that most business owners don't know that I want to just present to your people. I hope it helps. If you're finding you're getting a good amount of leads, but you're not converting them, that's a sales problem. Whereas if you find that you're converting a lot of your leads, but you're just not getting enough leads, that's a marketing problem. So yeah, those are great nugs. Yeah. Know the difference between the two, because it's going to help you understand where your focus needs to go. If you're just a queen on those like discovery calls and your every proposal is getting said yes to, first of all, you're probably not charging enough. Boom. Um, <laughs> but if that's going really well for you, then but, but you're but you're still not making the kind of money you want to make. My guess is you haven't created enough exposure. You're not bringing people. You're not getting your business in front of enough people, and so. Spending hours and hours aimlessly on Instagram isn't most likely going to be the thing that's going to get you that. I think I see a lot of that, especially with creatives who are spending a lot of time on Insta, but they can't actually trace the dollars they're making in their business back to that activity. So Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, once you know your money goals, get crystal clear on the things that you need to do to get you there. And you hit it like right out of the park earlier on when we talked about sales, following up, like you're sending out proposals, but how are, are you checking in with them? What does your sales process look like? Process look like? How long is it taking? How many touch points are required? Because, you know, studies show that it's like seven to 10 touch points before we can even make that sale. So I think a lot of people are doing a lot of stuff that they are hopeful or they'll say things like, well, I need to be on Instagram because all designers are on Instagram. True, but are you spending your time effectively on Instagram? And what is the thing that when you do that, you start to get leads and you start to convert those leads? Those are the things that we need to be doing more of. Have you heard the expression, you know, 80% of our results come from 20% of our... Yes, I that's, love that's that. it exactly. And so we're 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 wasting a lot of time doing things that might feel good in the moment or feel productive, but they're not actually creating the results that we want to create. I really, really like those two. It's so simple and powerful to just say, like, if you're getting lots of neat leads and you're not converting, it's a sales problem. If you're getting lots, if you're not getting a lot of leads, then it's a marketing problem. Like, that's just so freaking simple and easy to drill down on where you need to focus. This is a real good lead up to the question that I wrote down. So you said, um, and I've definitely talked about this because I come from a marketing background. So in like, you know, conversion and we did direct response marketing. So understanding conversion rates and all this was like a very heavy emphasis in my corporate life. And it's funny because all these little things that at the time I was like, why am I in this job? This is not the right thing for me, but it was all so valuable for me. 
But, um, and that's a big thing too. It's like people, you know, I designers who are like, I have so many clients and da da da, which is great. I'm like almost too busy and you're converting them all. Like definitely you're not charging enough. I'm curious, what are your philosophies? Cause I know that there's a lot of different ones on what is, cause you don't want to be closing at a hundred percent because that definitely means you're not charging enough. But what is like, what is the balance of, okay, my close rate is 40%, 50%. Yeah. Where, where do you think makes the most sense to be? That's a great question. Um, I'm, I want to ask you first, what do you think it is? If, I'll tell Honest, you, what, tell me what you think. I don't, I don't have a clear answer, but I'm perfectly fine if I have like 50% conversion rate because oh. I feel like well, I don't see, I've kind of flip-flopped. I'm going to be honest. I flipped flopped. I'm like, maybe I'm not, maybe is my conversion rate low because of what I'm charging or is it low because I haven't, um, done enough to qualify them, uh, before I give them that high number. So I, I don't know. I think I, I don't know. I don't know. No, no, I know it shouldn't be a hundred percent and I don't think it should be super high, but I also, it depends on how you work your business and if you're putting together like what does that process look like you don't want to be wasting a lot of upfront time either putting proposals together that aren't agreed uh, agreed that said so the way I look at it and if you're listening to this conversation going whoa whoa I'm lost um okay, yeah Good I much. would look at everybody who's reached out anyone who is an inquiry whether that comes via uh email phone call dm that's an inquiry if someone said I think I might be interested in working with you you count that as a lead and then what you do at the end of the month or the end of the year, you can, you can pick any length of time to do this exercise. But I like something like three months, right? If you do three months, okay, in three months, 30 people reached out to me and 10 people said yes to working with me. Then you've got a, a conversion rate of 33%-ish, right? So I can't believe I was, I don't know why I picked those numbers. That's an awkward one. But anyway, you see the point. Like, so that's how you calculate it. You really have to, you, if someone is just kind of, let's just say talking BS and they're not serious. That's not an inquiry. It's not a lead. I wouldn't count it. And people will say things like everyone on my email list is a lead. No, it is not. Someone's yeah. to being on your email list that they just want to read your blog, maybe, but they're not necessarily interested. They're only interested when they say, yes, I want to talk to you about working together. Now you can count them as a lead and then look at that period of time, figure out how many people out of those leads said yes to working with you. And for designers and other industries that are similar, it takes, you have to remember, like it takes longer for them to say yes. And the bigger the project and the bigger the dollar amount, the longer it takes. So, um, but that's how you calculate that. And you can do that looking back on all of last year's leads. You can do that looking back on a month, but I would say you're right, Michelle, if you're converting more than 50%, your prices are most likely too low and there's room to increase them. I really believe the sweet spot for me is like around 30, 40%. I and that means you're getting really good clients too, which yeah. I think is good. Um, yeah. Just, I'm actually going to, okay, the way I track conversion is not just like lead to project. So what I've been doing is I track, I have a conversion rate from a lead, which is any old inquiry to mm -hmm. a call, a discovery call. Yeah. So I have a conversion rate for that. That, yeah. And then I do discovery call to consultation, conversion rate for that. Then I do proposal because not everybody, 
um, that does a consultation actually is going to do a full project. So, so for, so basically my discovery call conversion rate is obviously higher. My, my consultation conversion rate is much higher. So we're at like 75% for lead to discovery call, mm-hmm. almost 90% for discovery call to consultation. Right. Um, and then my, but my consultation, my proposal to project conversion rate, which is like legit, like the big, 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 big is just less than 50. And I haven't looked at these numbers in a while. I just, it's a running list that automatically updates when I add. And that number is going down because I'm charging more when I'm worth. Yes. Um, And that's not a bad thing unless you're scaling via a team and you're bringing on, you know, a a bunch of designers underneath you. Most people are not prepared to do in the first year. Mm -hmm. Like really not set up for it. So, um, so I would say like, first of all, I love how much you're tracking. This is great. Your people can learn so much from you that you're tracking. Thank you. I know it sounds like a lot of work, but it just as, as Michelle said, like, you know, if you were in a job, this information would be provided and it would be there. You're the boss of this business. So you got to track it. You have to know, because it helps you do things like plan ahead and, you know, and, and budget for things and do, um, things like projections for the year ahead. So I think the more, you know, your numbers and your conversion rates, the better. And, um, yes, as, as you pointed out, there is a distinct drop when it comes from, from consult, uh, from consultation to actual, actually going through with the project. That is normal. You should be seeing that. Um, and again, if you're getting, if you're getting even anywhere, even above 50, 60, 70%, conversion rate, you're not charging enough. You're, it means that you're, you're bringing tons of people in and you're saying yes to every project and they're saying yes to every project. So there's room to, um, and don't think of that as wasted time because I have probably spent over 10,000 hours doing discovery calls in my, in my lengthy mm. career. Um, not just in the last three years, but like every time I have a conversation with someone that is a potential to lead to other business, to referrals, to potential partnerships one day. So I never think having a sales conversation is a bad thing. And it just makes you, the more you do it, the better you get. So don't stress about hearing the no. Like yeah. somebody's not ready to go ahead. That's fine. That's on them. That has nothing. It's no reflection on you or your business or how you show up. Again, use it as a learning if you think the call could have gone better, then what could you do about that? So that's, I mean, that, that really kind of brings it full circle. Yeah. What I mean when I say intentional action, um, asking yourself, where do I need to improve this year? And then going and doing those things specifically. And again, this will mean that some of the stuff that you don't need to be doing, either you can delegate that, you can minimize that, you can you know, get rid of it altogether. Ask yourself, does this even need to be done? Um, let alone by me, because just because we've been doing it that way for years doesn't mean it's the way we want to proceed. So um, Mm -hmm. if nothing else, let's make 2020 a more intentional year for you and your business so that you can still love what you do. And uh, and I don't don't mean just you, Michelle, I mean, everyone. Yeah. Like the whole, we, none of us went into this so that we could hate what we do and work 24 seven. Like we're doing this because we want to do what we love and help people and, and make beautiful things and, and do what we're really gifted at. And so, um, those are some of the ways if we start to think about, um, the money side of your business differently then what you'll find is you're creating time and space to be able to do those things and have the business of your dreams. I really love what you just said because, and specifically this week, I was really kind of reflecting on like 
you know, I'm exactly what you just said. We can start a business. And this is something I tell people all the time is like, at the end of the day, yeah, because people are listening a lot. We talked about who is listening to this podcast and there's definitely a a lot of newer designers or people who are like, I want to kind of go on my own and I'm not there yet. And it's like, to me, I just really feel like you just need to start and not like, yes, it's important to have a business plan. Yes, this and yes, that. But at the same time, sometimes over-investing early on when you don't truly know what you want to be doing and how you want your business to look can be a lot of wasted energy. So just starting today, because no matter what, if you just launch your website today, nobody's going to see it today anyway. Mm-hmm. It'll take a long time before eyeballs even see it. So just get it out there now because it can continually evolve because the sooner it gets out there, the sooner eyeballs are on it, the sooner you get a project that you can then evolve your aesthetic, evolve what you even want. You can't know what you want to do until you just start doing something and getting exchange money exchanged for that. And then for me this week, the point of this was just, I was really like looking at, I was feeling very grateful that, you know, I, I created this business and now I've been thinking about like, you know, I did the holiday packages. I'm like, cool. Like I thought that would be a fun thing to do. Maybe I'll hate it. Maybe I'll love it, but I did it. And now I have people paying me to do that. Mm-hmm. And I got to do that because I wanted to. Some people are like holiday decorating, wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole. I'm like, let's do it. If it's, if it makes sense, if the client gets, gets the value and pays me what it's worth. Alternatively, I was, I was like, you know what? It would be really cool to do commercial styling for photo shoots. I feel like I'd be really good at that with my marketing background. And now next week I might be doing that. I'm just like, I'm just coming up with things I want to do. And then all of a sudden I'm doing them. Like, I want to go on Maryland Dennis. Cool. I, I went on Maryland Dennis. Like we can build this however the hell we want. And it doesn't have to be exactly what one person says it needs to be. It's totally it's amazing. And, yeah. and our vision is going to evolve and change yes. over time. And so you, you touched on something that is like my motto. Anyone who has worked with me heard, has heard me say done is better than perfect. And this mm-hmm. is particularly hard for people in, um, a profession where there is a visual aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. Like in your world, things have to look perfect. So this is a big roadblock that designers will face is they don't want to move forward until something looks and feels perfect. Um, but I'm here to say like perfect is an illusion and it's overrated and it, it, it there is no perfect. So, and when, when we do that, what we're really doing is finding excuses not to move forward. So I agree. In yeah, the first that. year, that for first year or two, that is your time to try new things, to create new offers and just see if it flies. Like, I love that you're willing to, um, you know, willing to try that out and see if you even, like, as you say, like, learn if you even like it. Because, and that's fine if you try it and don't like it. But don't be afraid to sell something because you haven't sold it before or because you, you think nobody has the money for it. Like, if there's demand out there and it's something that you feel you do well, I'm all for it. I love creating new offers and then seeing which ones really resonate with me. Nowadays in my business, I don't have a ton of offers, um, but there, there are like, you know, sort of four, four or five main ways that people can work with me in some capacity. And, um, and I'm always looking at, you know, ways of tweaking that and, and the, the vision has grown and it's evolved and it's going to keep doing that. So, um, and like I say, like done really is better than perfect. If you want to get something out there, get it out there. You'll have like, just like you said, you'll have time to improve it, to make it better. But if people can't see you, if they're not learning about you, how are they supposed to 
support your business and, and help you achieve what you want to achieve. Exactly. And I mean, wildly undercharging, I mean, it'd be great if you didn't do that and, you know, hopefully not, but the quicker you wildly undercharge, if it's all wrong, the quicker you can get it right and yeah. start turning it around. Um, you Okay. So before we, cause we are wrapping up, but I am curious, what are your thoughts on when to bring on employees? And, you know, there's different philosophies on, you know, and I think I'm sure it just depends on the business, but some people's philosophy is like, no, you should be hiring employees that they're, what they're doing specifically the task is bringing in additional money versus though, well, no, you bring in an employee who can take tasks off your plate so that you can actually do more what you do and make more money. Is it, I'm sure it's not a one size fits all, but what I'm, I'm very curious on your it's thoughts. It's not on a one size fits all, but I would say out of the two you proposed, it's the second one because nobody's going to care about our business more than we do. And as the visionary in your business, your job is to grow the vision. It's to build relationships. In, I'm generalizing here, yeah. but your, your job is to chart the course for this business. And a lot of that is business development. It's creating offers. It's selling offers because, again, nobody's going to care as much about your business as you at this stage. And so I'm a big believer that... <coughs> Sorry. No, no problem. I think we should be thinking about team earlier rather than later. And I did record an episode on this. It's called, is it time to build a team? Um, I'll send you the links for both. Yes, please. So I'm going to listen to it today. (laughs) And really you'll listen to that and you'll know, but if you're starting to feel very stretched thin, if you're starting to feel like you're spending all of your time doing client work and you don't have any time to work on the strategy or the vision, then that's a great sign that it's time to bring someone in. But the mistake I see is people thinking they need to hire too many or they need to go hire full-time. And oftentimes we don't. And again, a belief that I see is no one will want to come and work for me for a few hours a week. And that is total BS. There is, There will be somebody out there who is a right fit for you right now. Will that person be right for you a year or two from now when you, when you are looking at a million dollar business? Probably not, but there's a way to start. And that is most definitely a bigger conversation. And I would be thrilled to come back and have that team. I love it. Yes. (laughs) Um, Okay. Before you tell everybody where they can follow you, I would love for you to tell me some books you would recommend, because I'm sure you've done lots of amazing reading. I don't care if it's a reading or audiobook and podcasts that you love that are business related. Okay. So funnily enough, I actually recorded a podcast on this too. Did you? Okay, cool. Yeah. So we can link to that. It's like my 10 favorite business books, but I would say, so some, one of my favorite business books is building a story brand by Donald Miller. If you don't really think you understand marketing um, and how to attract people to your business, that is a great read. I've never heard of that one. I love when somebody throws a book at me. I haven't heard because I'm sure you like after a while, you always hear those same books over and over again, right? You're like, oh, no, no, I've heard of that one. So that's awesome. I love yeah. it. Um, another one that I really love is a book called Traction by um, Gino Wickman. And that is all about setting up your business for success. So even early on, you can be doing some of the visioning exercises he talks about some of the clarity exercises. But once you start to get to the point where you're building a team, um, he talks about like, you know, outlining your core values. This is a lot of the work that I do with people as well, but he goes deep into systems and setting up your business. So 
that it's ready to scale. It's ready to have teams. So I really think both of those books, um, if you're, if you're struggling more with like systems and understanding, um, what this business is and how it needs to operate traction is a really great book. So those are a couple of my favorites. And then in terms of podcasts, actually my favorite podcasts, some of them are not business podcasts, but two, one is I'll give you the name of it. It's called how to lead. Oh, okay. A woman named uh, How to Lead for Female Entrepreneurs by a woman named Chris Plackey, Chris with a K. Um, that is phenomenal for anyone who has a team. Who, anyone who is hiring or firing anyone, you need this podcast. She is so great at what she does. And it's, it's especially great for small businesses and you know six and seven figure businesses. So I love that. I also love the Life Coach School podcast by Brooke mm. Castillo. Um, especially if you like the mindset side of things, Go back to her earlier episodes. I think that she really helps people understand how their brains work and how we are holding ourselves back because of our thoughts. So I, if you're into that side of things, then that is another one. So I can send you yeah. on. She's on my list. Um, she's on my list, and but I haven't listened to her in a while. So that might prompt me to kind of go back and, and dig her back up. Sometimes I have too many podcasts that I'm like, oh, there's too many on my list. But um, amazing. Okay, tell everybody where they can find you and maybe ways that they can work with you, different different uh, levels or packages that you do have. Actually, the best place to start is I'm doing a mini course coming up called uh, Profit Year. And it's all about setting your business up for success financially. And the, some of the things that we talked about, we go a little bit deeper in. So if you're interested in signing up for that mini course, you can just go to leannekim.com slash profit. So that's spelled L-I-A-N-N-E-K-I-M.com slash profit. And you can sign up there to be inside that mini course. That's a great sort of first exposure to, to understand a little bit more about me and what I do. And then through that, you'll certainly learn about my different offerings. But I have courses. I have my community Mamas & Co. that I mentioned, which is a really low point of entry for those of you who just want a little bit more and, um, and then right all the way up to VIP one-on-one business coaching. So yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Hopefully I'll get to meet you in person someday soon. Yes. I would love that. She was super awesome. Wasn't she? I had heard so many great things about her from other designers and I was super excited to talk to her and I absolutely loved that she called me out on my mindset, my limiting belief that finding wealth, a wealthy client is a little harder. So that was a huge aha. I did not connect the dots on that. I mean, it's so funny how we think we're doing this work and we think we're catching ourselves as far as, you know, limiting beliefs and not believing certain things. And I did not realize that that very thought that I've said over and over again is something that's probably absolutely holding me back. So I'm going to be working on that this year. I also really liked her nugget and hopefully I don't butcher this, but how if you're looking at your pipeline and you're looking at, you know, your leads and your sales and all that good stuff, if you are getting leads, but you're not converting them into clients, you have a sales issue. And if you're just not getting leads, then you have a marketing issue. And that is so amazing as far as really trying to identify what you need to tweak in your business in order to get uh, more clients. So that's something that I've done as well. And I think for me, I've definitely been getting leads, but I have not been able to convert them into clients. So between this conversation and the conversation I had with Blair Ends, which was an earlier episode, I really am working on creating options for a lower priced client or a budget 
client. I don't like that word, but somebody who maybe can't afford full service, but I still think that I want to work with them in some small capacity with very clear guidelines. And again, there are minimum requirements to that, that you got to figure out for yourself, but I am working through that right now. And one of those is basically like, and I'm calling it a DIY slash e-design depending on where you are, but you know, we do a room and it's $1,500. I'm just going to test it and see how terrible if that works or not. But basically letting them know there's absolutely no revisions. There's no gallery wall designs. Like I've limited what is included in that. And that um, I only have a specific, I'm only allowing a half hour to search for furniture. So it's whatever I find in that time. So anything else above that is billed hourly or they, it's just giving them a vision, a more clear vision on how to execute on their own. So yeah, there you go. So guess what, guys? Do you know what time it is? It's time to rant. My rant as of lately is really designers who post work and try to pass it off as their own. That's really my only rant. I, I don't work with friends, so all my, all my friends work with other designers, and I'll see their houses on Instagram, and they look lovely, and it's beautiful, but don't try to take credit for a kitchen you had nothing to do with except for putting a cutting board on the island, et cetera, et cetera. It drives me insane. And then there's comments that are like, oh, it's so beautiful. Where's the stone from? Where's the, ca- where's the cabinet from? Whatever. And it's, oh, I don't know. I have to check my notes. I'm like, you don't know because you didn't do it. I'm totally fine. If you're starting out and you need content, that's, that's another story. But if you are an experienced designer, you need to be posting photos and saying that they're not yours. It drives me insane. I, can't, I don't understand it at all. <laughs> that's my rant. So there you go. That was a very good rant. I quite enjoyed it. And I tend to agree with all of the things. So here you go, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Please leave a review. I know I ask all the time, but these reviews really do help me be able to get better guests, get new guests, and get more people finding it. So please leave a review, even if it's just just hit five stars if you're feeling it. And if you are not following me along in the Facebook group, you can find it at Real Talk Design. And all you have to do is answer the questions. Please do answer the questions if it's not abundantly clear by your profile that you are a designer. And yeah, that's all I got for now. I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.